0: Are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Monday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Wolves. Hope you had a good weekend. So glad you're along with us as we kick off another week of Timberwolves Talk here on Locked On Wolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Alan Horton. You can follow me on Twitter at LockedOnWolves and at Wolves Radio. Uh, coming up on the show today, we'll talk about we'll talk a little preseason basketball. It is just around the corner for the Timberwolves. Their first preseason game is coming up this Saturday. It's one of eight preseason games, and I want to talk about the absurdity of preseason basketball and those eight games that most teams still play. Tibbs Talk's second unit. We'll discuss uh, what that second unit might look like and what Tibbs had to say about that on practice over the weekend. Also hear a little bit from John Lucas III. Does he have a chance to make this roster? He had some interesting things to say, real positive guy, and you can see why Tibbs wants him in camp. And finally, we'll round out our discussion today with a little talk about the coaching staff finally it has been finalized so a lot coming up on the show today after a big weekend here in the uh, twin cities and all across the state of minnesota how about the Ryder cup finishing up at hazeltine uh the the u.s able to defeat the the european team 17 to 11 um is does anybody else feel this way patrick reed is basically my new favorite person of all time Uh, that guy is just incredible watching him this weekend and what he did for Team USA and showing the kind of uh, uh, just the spirit and the... Um, the exuberance, it was just, it was incredible. And for 50,000 plus to show up all three days, just an incredible weekend, uh, at Hazeltine and, and, and really for the, for the world to be watching, uh, there in Chaska, Minnesota, just, uh, a great, great positive vibe coming across TV. And, you know, I, I, I think the, I think the knuckleheads that had a little too much to drink and didn't take the spirit of golf into the, into the equation, I think, um, you know, I don't think that should ruin it for everybody and and I wasn't out there this weekend, but I heard some accounts that there was, you know, bad language and and guys crossing the line and trying to heckle the Europeans and and that's just not right and hopefully they got dealt with and ejected and that kind of thing, but for the most part the crowds were absolutely incredible. It came across on television just fantastically, and I just think I think the Ryder Cup is one of the great sporting events we have. Um, in the world, any sport—it's just—it is tailor-made um, for drama. You get the best golfers in the world going head to head in this kind of situation, and it just leads to great television. It leads to great moments. It, it, you can't help but have tight matches. Um, the way golf is—I mean, it's just back and forth. All these guys rising to the occasion—it's just—it's just tremendous. And I think it was a—it uh, was an unbelievable weekend for golf for the Ryder Cup and, of course, for Minnesota. Uh, speaking of Minnesota, uh, the good news didn't end with things at Hazeltine. The Lynx took care of business in Phoenix. They defeat the Mercury yesterday 82-67. How about Maya Moore going for 20 for her third straight game? The Lynx just dispatch of the Mercury. Uh, even though the Mercury made a little late run in the postseason, winning those two elimination games before getting into the semifinals and facing the Lynx, the Lynx beat them by 15 By 10 and by 18 in the three wins. And for the fifth time in six years, the Lynx are into the WNBA Finals. Fifth time in six years. Just incredible what Cheryl Reeve has done, the coach of the year. Sylvia Fowles named the defensive player of the year. Um, Maya Moore has put herself into a a class by herself in this league. She is just dominant. Lindsey Whalen still gets it done. The links are deeper than they have been in, in past years. Um, and a reminder that you can get your tickets to Game 1 of the WNBA Finals coming up on Sunday at Target Center. Go to linksbasketball.com. It's linksbasketball.com. Games will be on ESPN. Of course, you can listen. John Fokey has the call on Bob106FM. So a lot of good things happening with the Lynx. They don't know who they're going to play yet. Uh, Chicago did beat L.A. yesterday to force a Game 3, but it does probably look like L.A. will advance to the Finals. That'll be the first time in the Candace Parker era and lo and behold, it took the WNBA completely blowing up the playoff format for Candace Parker and the Sparks to likely get into the uh, WNBA Finals. That, I mean, that's one of the big things. It's, it's been known around the league that, that the league does everything they can to help their big markets, New York and L.A. Uh, they need those teams there, and they realize that, you know what? The Lynx are really good. The Mercury are really good. There's no chance the Sparks um, are going to get through both of those teams to a Finals. We've got to find a way to get the best teams to the Finals, and that's going to give L.A. a better chance to get to the Finals, and you'll have uh, likely, I I think, have two Western Conference teams. You know what's funny is that there's there's no such thing as a Western Conference banner anymore. Um, I guess you could have a regular season one, but that that doesn't mean much. It's all about... uh, you know, the, we got bangers banners and target center western conference champs but uh, there's no western conference anymore you could have two western conference teams win their conference championships uh, which are the semifinals so that has been rendered moot but a great win for the lynx now they'll get um, a chance to come home today and they will have a full week of practice and um, they're they're at home for three of those five games and um, have a chance to pick up another WNBA championship it'd be their fourth in the last six years of course the wolves got back to uh practice on saturday and sunday they were off friday then they had a solo practice on saturday uh they had one more yesterday they'll have another one coming up uh today Tibb said on saturday that was the best practice that the wolves have had remember they had five workouts in the span of three days then took friday off and they came back strong according to head coach Tom Thibodeau. Um, As I mentioned, the Wolves will have a practice today. They're off tomorrow, then they're back at it Wednesday and Thursday, and then they leave Friday for the preseason. And the preseason, this is our first topic of the show today, a 10-day, six-game road trip that will take them over 4,000 miles. They will fly from Minneapolis to Kansas City, from Kansas City to Charlotte, North Carolina. From Charlotte, North Carolina, to Lincoln, Nebraska, going back to the uh, Central Time Zone. From Lincoln, Nebraska, to Louisville, Kentucky, back to the Eastern Time Zone, I believe. And then back to Oklahoma City. A total of 4,000 miles in 10 days and a six-game road trip. And, you know, for a team that has to travel as much as the Timberwolves do, They are the third most traveled team in the NBA. They're always up there in the top ten for sure, uh, top five the last few years. They are third in the league this year in miles traveled. Only Golden State and Portland will be higher than Minnesota's 51,500 miles that they will travel this season. And It's really no surprise that teams two, three, and four on that list, you have Golden State number one, two Portland, three Minnesota, and four Denver. Three out of the top four teams in the Northwest Division, that's something that's got to change. The Northwest Division stopped making sense. I'm not even sure it made sense, not from a Timberwolves perspective, that's for sure, but it made it made a modicum of success when OKC was in Seattle. You had Seattle and Portland, and then you had Denver and Utah. But, I mean, Minnesota has never made sense, but since you added Oklahoma City, and, you know, someone was just telling me, I've never looked this up, but the the, the the four closest road trips for the Timberwolves are all to Eastern Conference opponents. All to Eastern Conference opponents: Chicago, Milwaukee. Um, I think it's Indiana and Detroit are the are the four closest ones for Minnesota. Um, it's just it's ludicrous. And for the league, the last couple of years they have poured in millions of dollars. Now for a multi-billion dollar business, not a huge deal. But they have spent time, energy, money, manpower. Um, Tom Corelli, who's the director of uh, broadcasting for the league, has also taken over the um, the implementation of a new computer program or computer programs. It's a... It's a big-time deal that they've uh, invested a whole lot of time in the last couple of years in trying to devise the schedule and how they can use the schedule to the players' benefit as far as cutting down on the amount of travel, cutting down on the amount of four games in five nights, cutting back on those back-to-backs, the long-distance back-to-backs, making road trips have more success. Um, They have uh, got state-of-the-art computer programs now that try to fit in all the dates um, of all the teams and all the arena availabilities and all the concerts that are in there, and places like the Staples Center, which have the Grammys. Um, you have the San Antonio Rodeo Road Trip. You've got you've got buildings with multiple tenants like the Staples Center with the Clippers, Lakers, L.A. Kings. They have to factor that all in. Um, a lot of NHL conflicts around the league. So it's not easy to do, and the league has done a fantastic job the last couple of years on really cutting down on the amount of travel because they realize that hey, there 's a greater likelihood that someone could get hurt playing their fourth game in five days the other The other part of the equation is you're you 're taken away from your product on the floor. You need guys to be healthy uh focused, and dialed in you you know and for a fan to have to spend you know it takes a family of four for four five six hundred bucks to a game um, you throw in some food, you throw in some parking, you throw in some little merchandise i mean you 're talking about a big time night out, and oh by the way, you just happen to catch the home team on their fourth game in five nights, and guess what? They got run out of the gym by the opponent. I mean, that doesn't lead to those people coming back. You want your best product on the floor um, every night, now are we ever going to get to a point where every team will have two days rest before every game no it 's never going to happen, but the league has done an incredible job trying to balance the schedule a little bit better and take away part of those um, part of those issues. But the next step they need to take and i 'm stunned it hasn 't happened already is to cut the preseason in half i 've had numerous coaches i 've asked them flat out how many co- how many preseason games do you need? Coaches have said two the most they 've said is four The way season tickets are sold, I think it includes two preseason games that you have to pay for so 43 home games basically 41 in the regular season two of the preseason and so i'm not sure they'd want to go less than two at home so i I think a four game preseason is perfect i mean most of the preseason guys are sitting anyway um it's a bad product it's 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 not it's not worth it what would be more worth it is if you narrowed it to four now coaches actually treat those preseason games um to warm their guys up for the regular season and what you do is you start the season a week to 10 days earlier, and guess what? Now all of a sudden you have 10 more days to put on the schedule. You can alleviate even more back-to-backs and bad travel situations and all that kind of stuff. I'm a little surprised it hasn't happened already, but it's it's ludicrous for a team to go on a 10-day, six-game road trip before the season even starts. Now I will say last year the Timberwolves had five of their seven games on the road they did not go on a. It wasn't a. They were five consecutive games away from Target Center, but they were able to come home for a day or two before going back on the road. So it was actually two trips to make those five games, um, and and that was a long, long preseason on the road as well. But you know what? Last year, it actually defied the odds, and it it was a big reason that Sam Mitchell said that they got off to a good start on the road. Remember, they won their first four road games last year. Ended up going five and one in their first six on the road, and. It, Sam Mitchell said that hey well we were on the road so much we got used to playing there we got uh, we kind of enjoyed it being on the road and flying and and being to ourselves and um hold up in places like Ottawa and Montreal and all the different places that uh, teams go in the preseason that's where the Wolves went last year playing that Canada series so it paid off last year hey who knows maybe it'll pay off again but it's not It's not wise. It's not smart. And I'm a little surprised the NBA hasn't cut the preseason yet. I think it is coming. I think there may have been some existing contracts that teams may have with selling some of their home preseason games or... Travel overseas, you know, a couple of teams always go to China. Last year, teams went to Brazil, you got games in England, you've got Mexico City. England and Mexico City will be in the regular season, but um, you got teams traveling more and more, so maybe some of those things had to be cleared up before they can cut the preseason, but it's something that's got to happen. I mean, a 10-day, 6-game road trip is just, is just ridiculous to travel 4,000 miles in the preseason when you're going to travel over 51,000 during the regular season. All right, I mentioned it was a big sports weekend here in the Twin Cities and I uh, neglected to mention that the Vikings, of course, will play tonight on Monday Night Football. They will take on the New York Giants. Want to get caught up on the very latest Vikings and Giants news? Sam Ekstrom, Sage and Rosenfelds, they've got you covered, Locked on Vikings. They did a crossover podcast with Locked on Giants. You need to listen to that. Check them out on Audio Boom and everywhere else, everywhere else you find um, your podcasts, uh, Locked on Vikings. Sam and Sage have got you covered. Big matchup tonight, not many undefeated teams left in the uh, NFL after uh, yesterday. Denver went to 4-0, Philly is still 3-0, and the Vikings are, are 3-0. So uh, check that out and look for their uh, recap all week long, every week, Locked on Vikings. Timberwolves got back to practice on Saturday, and one of the questions I got a chance to ask Tom Thibodeau was about the uh, the Wolves' second unit. And I kind of asked him, you know, I, I know specifically he's not going to give much away, but I kind of wanted to get an idea of his philosophy about going to the second unit. Does he prefer going to a five man sort of hockey line where you bring all five guys in at once, sit your tire starters, and then bring your starters all back at once? Um, or is he the kind of coach that likes to have one starter, maybe two on the floor at all times? Here's what he had to say.
1: Usually you try to have at least one starter out there. So uh, we'll see how it unfolds. You need depth. Uh, I think that's an area we, we've improved upon. Uh, and we've got versatility. We've got different combinations that we can play. Uh, we have guys that I think will play well with the starters. We have other guys, some starters, I think, that will play well with the bench guys. We can play big. We can play small. Uh, so all that's still a work in progress, and uh, we're trying to figure all that out as, as we we go along here, uh, but it's you know I like the way it's shaping up. The second group has played very well uh, as a unit. So. Is,
0: is that something you're always kind of thinking about, possible combinations? Well, yeah, you'd like them stuff? to have
1: an identity too. You know, I think we have some speed. Uh, Brandon gives us you know the uh, uh, the shooting three point shooting. boss gives us a tough matchup. He can play inside out, good in transition. Nemanja spaces the floor, gives you four or five pick and roll. Cole is very, very effective just because of his screening ability. He does a lot of little things that make your offense better. He he can screen. He can roll. He puts pressure on the rim. He's got good hands. He can make passes out. You can get corner threes off of him. Um, So that's encouraging. And Chris can race the ball at the floor. Tyus can race the ball at the floor. We can play two-point guards together. Um, there's, There's a lot of things that we can do.
0: So Tibbs didn't exactly answer the question. Um, in there, he did say, "I like to have one starter on the floor," but then he went on to list six guys that uh, that could he could see coming off the bench. He mentioned Chris Dunn. He mentioned Tyus Jones. He mentioned Brandon Rush, Shabazz Muhammad, Nemanja Bialica, and Cole Aldrich. So um, I, I th- we might get a hint of what's to come in the preseason, although. You know, when it comes to the bench unit, you know, you, you, he may rest some starters a little bit. I'm not sure how much of a clue we'll have um, until we get to the regular season about who really is um, a part of that bench. But, you know, my my thought going back to his Bulls days was that um, it was mostly a nine-man rotation, which would lead you to believe that, hey, he likes that one starter on the bench. I, I think that was the most telling part of that soundbite. But, um, of course, he's covering all his bases. And um, it, it occurred to me over the weekend, too, that, that Tibbs has spoken glowingly of just about everybody that was asked uh, up and down the lineup. Um, he's been pleased. Now, that doesn't mean he hasn't been pleased, but it's not really giving you some insight into, all right, once we get down to the regular season, who might be playing and who might not be playing, um, especially when it comes – to that second unit, so I think while the preseason might be telling in some areas, I'm not sure it's going to dictate um, it, or or we're able to give a uh, glimpse what that second unit might look like. But you know, I really think the second unit has a chance to be boy. I, you know, I'm trying to think in 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 the nine years of my covering Timberwolves basketball. You know, the Wolves have just never had a strong second unit. Of course, you know when you're not winning a lot of games, that means your starting unit's not that good, much less your bench. And the last few years, the bench has just been—it's uh, been tough to watch the group come in. And you know, I've there's different philosophies philosophies about the way to do it. Uh, Portland's been very successful under Terry Stotts, and, and in I, I like the idea or the concept of what they do with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum they both start the game and 6 minutes in McCollum goes to the bench Lillard plays the entire first quarter McCollum comes back in to start the second Lillard will then come back in and they'll finish up the first half together so they are oh, one of those two guys is always on the floor together and that's been successful for them and it'll be interesting to see who that one starter would be or what what the position is if Tibbs elects to have that one starter on the floor. Um, I think we'll see a ton of different combinations, but again, I'm not sure how much insight it will really give us into who that bench uh, brigade might be. Um, I mentioned that Tibbs speaks highly of everyone right now in camp, and we'll s- kind of wait and see how things develop If if someone's not performing up to par again we're not allowed into practice so we really don't have an idea of maybe who's getting yelled at or who blew an assignment or who's who's been blowing assignments more often than somebody else but you know someone that uh, tibbs has spoken highly of is uh the backup backup point guard john lucas III. he's in camp as a fourth point guard right now non-guaranteed deal so he's got a training camp contract seven years in the nba five different teams he last played in the nba couple of years ago with Detroit, but this is a guy who is, was, um, you know, I love these stories of guys that just trying to bang away and just won't give up the dream. Um, he's played in the D League, he's played in Italy, he's played in Spain, he's played in China, he's played in Puerto Rico, um, but two of his best years came with Tom Thibodeau in Chicago, and um, he knows the system, he gets the, um, you know, he gets to keep his drive, a dream alive of trying to make it back to the league, uh, he gets a chance to kind of be um, a veteran who can kind of guide the likes of uh, of some of these guys, whether it's Tyus Jones or even someone like Rookie Rubio, who's got some experience but new to head coach Tom Thibodeau. Well, here's what John Lucas had to say over the weekend um, about his kind of uh, thinking in joining the Timberwolves and saying that Tibbs is basically the reason
1: he's here. I just like tough coaches and then playing for Tibbs in Chicago and I play some of the best basketball in my professional career. When I was in Chicago, I knew my role. I knew what I was supposed to do and we had a great group of guys and I feel like we have a great group of guys here too. And like I said, if everybody buys into the system and know their role, we're going to be a very successful team because he's a successful coach. You always want to have a great culture when you come into a team. You know, when you can have 15 guys who enjoy being around each other cuz that's what we're really going to be around more than we be around our family for the next 6 to 7 months. We're going to be around each other. And if we have each other's back and when we can look each other in the face and say, "Yo, you need to pick up," or "Yo," and nobody gets mad and nobody takes it as like an insult or anything, then we're going to be just fine.
0: The other thing that Tibbs said over the weekend, he was asked, uh, Kent Youngblood of the Star Tribune asked him, Could you see a scenario in which you keep four point guards? And <laughs> keeping in with the theme of Tibbs speaking glowingly of everybody and not uh eliminating kind of any options, he said, Absolutely. And that kind of caught you off uh, caught me off guard a little bit. Uh I think that might be a stretch, especially with you know, the fact that John Lucas and, and Tyus Jones are they're 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 not guys that can get you to another position um rubio and dunn i think can play together um but i don't know that you can have two guys in tyus jones and john lucas that at this point haven't been able to show you that they can give you consistent outside shooting can't play another position um and they both essentially fill that same third point guard role so i i think the odds are uh against john lucas making the team but I tell you what, he's he is fun to listen to, of course. His dad, uh John Lucas, is a is a great story and a motivator and uh so so helpful to a lot of these guys in the league. So I, I always root for guys who have stories like this and, and who knows, it may pay off um if, if he does not make it to the regular season, there's, there's still a chance for him to catch on with another team, end up in the D-League. He could end up, come back up on a 10-day. Uh, you never know what could happen. So uh, a little bit of John Lucas for you there. And let's finish up on this Monday morning talking about the coaching staff, which has now officially been filled out. It is official. Ed Pinkney is no longer a guest assistant. As we told you a week ago, um, Ed Pinkney was the he was here in Minnesota for a couple of seasons. That was the 7 campaign with Randy Whitman as head coach. Um, Ed Pinckney was on that staff with Jerry Seasting, J.B. Bickerstaff, and Bob Osipka. And also Ed was on that uh, staff the next year, the 8 season, which was Whit and McHale as head coach taking over uh, not quite midway through the season, but in uh, I guess that would have been December or January when uh, Kevin McHale came down from the— uh, the vice president of basketball operations role to be the head coach. And Ed was on that staff with J.B. Bickerstaff and Jerry Seesting. So Ed Pinkney, very well respected as a player, as a coach, as a human being. Um, he has been a tremendous assistant wherever he's been. Most recently, he was in Denver as Mike Malone's lead assistant. And then when Tibbs came here to Minnesota, there were a lot of rumors that, hey, Ed's just going to jump right to the Timberwolves. Um, he was in that lead assistant role in Denver, and um, I I think it's it's clear that he wanted to join Tibbs there, and it took a long time for it to finally work out. Um, Ed resigned in July from that position with the Nuggets, and then it finally became official. But he's been working out with the team, and and he's been in that role, just not in official capacity. They've been calling him a guest um, assistant. For the first uh, week of training camp, so good to have Big Ed Pinckney back. Uh, Ed is a great guy, of course. Was in Chicago with Tibbs, got to know him a little bit those first two years. And the assistant coaches are so invaluable um, when you're a broadcaster. When the when the head coach is. Is not as available as other guys, um, give, giving you information and being able to ask questions to. And Ed has been uh, Ed, Ed has been fantastic, and um, he really brings some leadership to the to the assistant coaching ranks. I think he he didn't wasn't announced as the associate head coach or anything like that, but I would assume that he would be the top assistant under Tom Thibodeau, and of course. Uh, Andy Greer and Rick Brunson and Ryan Saunders round out that staff and I and I think I think um Tom Thibodeau and I think Scott Layden are, are not done quite in the front office. There was a flurry of kind of announcements and uh, reorganization last weekend before training camp started and I think they may add some more things especially in the analytics side of things as we move along. Certainly I'm not sure there's much of a timetable on that but I would look for that in the near future as well. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Wolves. Have yourselves a great Monday. We will talk to you tomorrow. Timberwolves will have a practice coming up in just about a couple hours from now. Uh, tell your friends, tell your neighbors. Keep following us on Twitter, at Wolves Radio at Locked on Wolves, and we'll have another podcast for you coming up tomorrow morning. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great day. I'm Alan Horton. This has been another edition of Locked on Wolves, a part of the Locked on Podcast Network.